Hello, everyone, and welcome to our 12th episode of Honesty Hour. Thank you for joining us. Um, we have a really exciting guest who's going to be providing an insightful perspective on mental health with children. Um, but as usual, before we start, um, talk about my week, how it's been going. Um, it's been going pretty well. I actually just got back from Arizona, just was seeing my parents, um, haven't seen them in a little bit. Um, it was really great, really relaxing. I think I did need a change in environment just because I was kind of getting caught up in schoolwork, applying to jobs, and it was a lot of stress on me. So obviously, I think for everyone listening to kind of getting that um, break and being able to clear your headspace is really important. And I do feel very recharged coming back to LA. Um, I feel more determined to obviously um, be on the hunt for jobs, obviously um, learn as much as I can from the, my last semester and from the classes I'm taking. Um, but yeah, I do think this week um, overall has been really great for my mental health. Um, all right, well, now getting into our speaker. So today we have Denise Campos. Um, she is currently a student that is at USC um, in the master's program for social work. Um, she previously got her undergraduate degree in public health. Um, and through that journey, she, that is how she found her way to social work. Um, she's very passionate about um, community social work and specifically community social work focused on children. Um, today, we'll kind of talk about her journey to um, becoming a social worker, um, how she found this love for mental health and how she developed the specific love for um, helping children with their mental health. Um, and then we'll also talk about a little bit about how her journey at USC and how the benefits of the program at USC and then kind of where she wants to go after she finishes her last year within the program. So please welcome Denise Campos. Hi, Denise. Thank you yeah. for coming and joining me today. I'm excited to have a conversation with you about mental health. Yeah. Um, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. It was a good, like, long weekend, able to self-care and recharge for this upcoming week ahead. So how are you doing? I'm good. I'm doing well. Um, yeah, just relaxing this weekend, not doing too much. Um, actually doing a little wine tasting tonight, virtual wine tasting, which will be fun, but that's like, yeah, that's like all that I have really planned. Just, yeah, trying to get some needed rest and then back to school again, obviously, but, um, well, thanks for coming. Um, I did kind of want to, what we can do is just start off talking a little bit about your background and then from there, um, talk about what you're doing now and then talk about how, what you're doing connects to mental health, um, as well as your passion about mental health. Does that work for you? Yes. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, I guess where we can kind of start off is, um, maybe before you, uh, came to USC and just learning about um, how you got into social work. Yes, okay, so I went to Cal State LA for undergrad, um, spent five years there, I graduated in 2019. I majored in public health and with a focus in community health. And so I feel like I've always been interested in mental health. Um, ever since I was in high school, ever since I was a kid, it was always something that was like an idea in my head, but I never could really put a name to the concept until I got to college. And that's when I discovered that, oh, mental health is a thing. And 
I literally became so obsessed with it. So yeah, so in college, I majored in public health and everything that I did with my major was mental health related. So it was more mental health work on the macro level. So research, policy, prevention, um, program implementation, that kind of stuff, just really building awareness on all of that. And I would focus on mental health because I thought that was very, very, very important. And in my last year of undergrad, I was able to intern at um, Mind Matters Campus Engagement, which was an initiative that was developed by the president of, of our university because they really just wanted us to raise awareness on student well-being, student mental health, self-care, that kind of stuff. So we did a lot of community outreach within our university, just trying to build awareness on that. And so what we did is that we connected with our counseling and psychological services, which all of the Cal State systems had. And it's basically where students can go to receive therapeutic services if they're struggling with their mental health. So we did a lot of like advertising and marketing for them, trying to get students to go and see one of them and whatnot. So then that's how I kind of like got interested into like counseling and therapy and um, so I did a lot of research on them. I did a lot of research on the different counselors, where they went to school, that kind of stuff. And that's when I realized that majority of them had their MSW. So they studied social work and they got their MSWs at USC. So I was like, okay, something has to be good about this program. Yeah. because How is it that I'm seeing so many people going there, getting their MSWs? So um, that's what really kind of like led me to kind of like look into that. But yeah. like I said, at the time I was kind of, I was majoring in public health. So it was more macro mental health work, which is the route that I thought I was going to go into. But I was also working at a school at the time at a high school and I was working one on one with students. And that's when I kind of realized that I also wanted to work with them on a micro level yeah. and working with students one on one really made me realize that there was a lot of social, emotional, community, home, biological barriers that were getting in the way of them reaching like their full academic potential and I really saw how much they could have benefited from like just mental health professionals or even learning more about like social emotional skills. Mm -hmm. And I remember working with one student specifically and she literally wrote this beautiful essay on why the school needed more mental health services, why the school needed to raise more awareness on student mental health, just basically saying like how much they were all struggling right now in school and how much they could benefit from that. And she sent it to the principal and everything like that. And I remember like in that very moment, I was like, okay, I need to be a part of this. I want to be a part of this. That was what really sold me on like, okay, I need to do like mental health on the macro level, but also like on the micro level working one-on-one. -on -one. That's great. I feel like that's like a very defining moment probably for you that you could look back on as that student who wrote that letter. Um, just kind of also maybe helped propel you into exactly the direction you're going into now, which is awesome. Um, I Right before you started going and talking about um, when you were working with students, you're talking about your own experience as an undergraduate and how when you went to college, that's when you realized mental health was a thing. Was there a specific moment in your undergraduate experience that really helped you kind of define what mental health was for you? I think it was just like, talking to other students because in high school I felt like I was very confined to 
a specific lifestyle or like a specific like population, but then going to college and really just broadening your scope and meeting other people and realizing like, oh, I have this in common with someone else. Like they have that too and whatnot. So just like literally like feeling like, okay, this is the world now. This is what's going on. And then just getting insight from like the different people that you were working with, the different professionals, the different like professors and everything. That's when I was like, oh, okay, this is a thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's awesome. Um, And I'm sure you're also, yeah, your major probably helped you find those people too in public health. And I think like our audience too might be interested in learning about what it means to major also in and go towards public a career in public health. So could you kind of talk about what classes you maybe took that like um, shaped your ideas and also that were really important in your major? And yeah, maybe then we can talk a little bit more about the mind matters that you talked about as well. Yeah, so like some of the classes that I took, so I took like health policy, health communication, research classes and all that. And like, I guess what I found with social work too is the huge overlap they have. They have such a huge overlap. And I think like just wanting to be a mental health professional, I wanted to be able to work um, in the macro and that's what public health had. Mm-hmm. And um Social workers, they work off of like an ecological perspective. So it's really like looking into the person and its environment and how like these different systems in their environment influence each other and affect the person's well-being. Mm. And public health does that as well. But with social work, you could do it in the public health lens, but you can also do it like in a more therapeutic one-on-one lens too. So working with this ecological perspective really like allows us to use strategies on the micro level of intervention, which could be like one-on-one therapy to a macro level of more like social treatment, which is like policy and research, which I was getting from public health as well. Mm. And so it's really just letting us work with a person, the client through whether it's psychotherapy and other micro level interventions or policy and planning and program implementation, which you do in public health. So that's the reason why I got into social work too, because it was literally like bridging my two passions together. Mm, Okay. Yeah. And then I know we also have had, um, obviously some psychology professors come on here and also clinical psychologists talk on this podcast as well. Um, Do you maybe have some insight on like maybe the differentiation between going through like the public health route versus going down like a route where you actually studied like psychology, like in college, like what the difference is between that, that? Yeah, I think like with psychology usually people who major in psychology it's because they want to do research or because they want to do like the clinical work which is like the one-on-one therapy and with public health it was like strictly the macro work like you're just building awareness you're getting into policy you're getting into research and you're doing that so social work is kind of like merging those two together yeah okay cool cool Um, And then with, so with Mind Matters, you had talked about how that was like kind of focused on community outreach. So that was more of a macro level project, would you say? 
Yes, it was within our university itself. So literally what we would do is like once a week, we, our community outreach would be, we would be like on the main walkway and we would have different either self-care activities or just like raising awareness, like, hey, go to this event. It's like a mindfulness event or here's yoga. And we would do um, these kind of like these events with um, freshmen at Cal State LA where we would get them together and we would talk about, okay, what is impacting your well-being? What can Castrelli do to enhance student well-being? And so they would come up with a bunch of problems that they were seeing and what they feel like they needed more of. Yeah. And then we would come up with an action plan with these freshmen. And it was it was always like different things to improve student well-being. Like one time my group came up with this idea to um, have like a peer counseling um, area and school where it was basically like a support group because that's something that the school didn't have. So they came up with that idea to be able to enhance student well-being. Mm -hmm. And so then what would happen is that at the end, everyone's ideas, we would vote on like the top three and those top three ideas would be sent to the president and then he would get to decide, okay, what are we gonna implement to enhance student well-being? We heard the students' voices, now what are we gonna do? That kind of thing. That's really great. I think especially taking the time to actually listen to the students rather than assuming what's best for them. I think that can go a really long way. Um, and obviously with community outreach, you guys had to market what you were doing, right? To get students to participate. So what did, with marketing, obviously, especially in the mental health space, you gotta be very careful with that and use it in the best possible way in terms of promoting well-being versus promoting just for the purpose of the project. So what did you find was like successful in your approach to promoting the different things that your president, um, I guess, voted on to be the initiatives you took on? We would use a lot of social media, definitely a lot of social media to try and connect with the students and whatnot. Obviously a lot of um, email blasts, that kind of thing. Um, we would do flyers. And then it was also kind of like a club too. So we would have other students join as well. So it was like word of mouth, just trying to get this thing out there. Cause it was fairly new when I started. I think it was maybe like either the second year or it was only like six months in. So it was fairly new. A lot of people did not know about us. So it was just trying to get trying to get the word out as much as we can. And then it really helps working with the freshmen because all the freshmen were required to go through this process of like okay. problem solving and whatnot. So it was really helpful to do that. And I think they really, really tried to just in, they wanted to do these initiatives. They wanted to enhance student well-being. I'm not sure how it is right now because it's been like two years, but I'm hoping that this stuff has actually grown and helped and everything like that. I think especially with what you were talking about too in your own experience going to college was that it was very eye-opening for you to really figure out what mental health meant to you as well. And I think obviously starting at the freshman level is a great way to bring awareness to it and also kind of help yeah. them feel like they have control over their experience as well. Yeah, definitely. Because especially with Cal State LA, there was a lot of first generation students and they were just walking in and like not knowing like the stress they were about to get into with navigating college and whatnot. Yeah. So it was definitely like something like to be able to help cope with your mental health. That's just going to help you 
in your academics going to help you in your career. So I think it was really great that the school is putting such a huge emphasis on that because it's so important in meeting the other needs and in becoming successful in the future. Yeah, definitely. Was there something, I guess, like with the students that you saw um, that you were working with at that point? I know obviously you've worked with students and we'll get into that in the future, but in that moment, like were there like some students that you saw were also maybe benefiting from talking and like helping with the, the survey? Did that also just open up some doors for them as well? Yes, definitely. Like, you're obviously, you're a freshman, and Castellay is a commuter school, so it's kind of hard to make friends. Like, nobody, like, a few students dorm and whatnot, but it's really hard to, like, make those connections in your classes and whatnot. So it was really, like, amazing to be able to see them all walk in and be quiet and shy and then really come together when they're talking about, okay, what do I need in order to make my college experience the best I possibly can for myself? Mm-hmm. And all of them just coming together kind of having similar issues, similar problems, and being able to problem solve and come up with that idea together. So it was really a good opportunity for them as well to be able to connect. That's good. Yeah, that's awesome. I think also, yeah, obviously, um, what I've learned through my experience doing this podcast and also just my own journey with mental health is that community is a huge part of our maintaining our mental health, having those people that you can open up to, because obviously with um, have it go under being under stressors and developing like anxiety and depression it's always best to talk about them rather than letting it boil up and just not actually knowing or identifying where that's coming from and also not being aware of the way that maybe that your brain is thinking about a situation as well so that's awesome that that also helped led to them probably building a community outside of just helping with the survey and things like that yeah it was such a really good experience because it's like they were all going through something, everyone's going through something, you know, so it's really good to be able to do that, because then they realize, like, oh, okay, other people are going through it, too, it's just something that's not really talked about, mm-hmm. but until I'm given the space to be able to do so. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, and so then from there, you talked a little bit about how you started noticing that people um, that you saw doing all of this work had a master's in social work. Um, so what did they tell you about um, what it was like to go through the master's program? And then what did you expect going into it as well? Yeah, um, they gave me a lot of good advice. I think like going into it, I was just really excited because I really felt like I tell people this all the time, but I really feel like God like created this program just for me because it <laughs> like hit everything that I wanted out of a master's degree or just everything that I wanted out of a career. So I was just really excited, but obviously they did tell me like, it's going to be a lot of work. It's only a two-year program, but it's going to feel a lot more than undergrad did. It's going to feel like more intensive because this is something that you're trying to commit for for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to be really invested. And they, they told me like, you know, as long as you have the passion for it, you're going to be fine because you're going to see like, even though you might struggle with so much homework and then we have to do two years of internship, which is like a lot on itself already you're going to see how worthwhile it is for you because you have the passion for it. And you like, it's going to be hard. You're going to have your days, but at the end of the day, you love what you're doing and that's, what's going to push you through it. And all of that was true. I love it. So it worked out great. (laughs) So I guess specifically for USC's program, could you talk a little bit about 
Um, maybe if you have any knowledge about how it maybe it compares to other programs, what benefits it's really brought you. And then on top of that, how that kind of led you to realize you were very passionate about um, helping children with their mental health as well. Yeah. Um, so USC's program, I think, is amazing because, well, I know other programs as well, they do have different concentrations, and that's what really appealed to me, too, because I'm in the children, youth, and families concentration, but we also have an adult mental health concentration, and then we have a social change and innovation concentration, which is more, like, strictly if you kind of want to work on the macro level only, Um but USC has given me so many opportunities, so much more that I could have ever asked for, even like applying. I didn't really know what I was getting myself into, but they actually have a lot of scholarship opportunities. I was able to receive some scholarships and they have different stipend programs as well, depending on like what setting you want to work in and what population you want to work in. They have a lot of scholarships on that too. And the thing that I love too is because I was very involved in undergrad in different organizations and whatnot. So I wanted to make sure to like make the most out of my graduate experience because it was only going to be two years. And so USC's MSW program has over like 10 social work caucuses that you can join. So I'm actually in one and I'm the co-chair of the clinical social work caucus. And it's just a great way to like network with other students. You network with professors, you network with other professionals. And it's also a great way to just enhance your skills outside of the classroom because all these different caucuses bring on different trainings, different workshops, different things that might interest you in um, what, because social work is so broad, there's different like fields and settings and populations you can work with. So they bring in all these different trainings and whatnot so that you can like just broaden your scope of practice before graduation, which I really loved so much. So those are like some of the things that I thought USC's MSW program did really good at addressing. Yeah, I think that's the whole Trojan network that they push forward yeah. to when you talk about USC. That's all you hear about. I mean, even yeah. as un in an undergraduate program at USC, that's like was one of the main sellers for me was just like knowing, especially with the business school that I'm in, it's just that it's having that community that continues after you leave as well, which is really important. Yeah especially yeah. probably with your master's degree too, making those connections and building on those connections too, to actually achieve the things you want to do in that field, probably very important, I assume. Yeah, definitely. Like everywhere, like within my two years and the internships I had, my two internships, all the MSWs I worked with graduated from USC and they'll be like, yeah, I know that professor and I know that and I know you have to do that or they'll even help me with my homework because they're like, yeah, we've done that, you know, so it's been really cool because I didn't even know like how like I guess popular it was until I started and I was like, oh wow, this is a big deal. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. so cool. I, I'm so glad that you were able to really kind of find your path too, especially um, it seems like from starting from where you were before you came into college to where you are now, there's just been a big development in terms of like you knowing exactly what you want to do and solidifying that path. So that's awesome. And I do want to talk about how you've also developed like kind of that interest towards going into mental health for children. Okay, yes. So with public health, one of the things I loved about public health was prevention work. And working with children, I see it as prevention work because you're doing the work now uh, so that as the child grows and develops and becomes adults, they have like the proper tools and the skills to be able to deal with 
the life challenges that are going to affect their mental health. I think children really need to be taught how to identify, express, and regulate their feelings because at the end of the day, that's what's going to help them to reach their greatest potential and to overcome all those barriers, all the social, emotional, environmental barriers that are getting in the way of that. Mm -hmm. And so, cause like the reality of the world that we live in is that you're not gonna be happy 100% of the time. And there's gonna be times when you have to experience these uncomfortable emotions and we're never gonna be free from the hardships or the troubled times of the world as we've seen just last year, everything that's occurred has a big impact on everyone's mental health. Mm -hmm. So the goal is for me really is to be able to teach these social emotional skills so that children are better equipped to cope as they grow older. So you're teaching children how to identify and express and regulate their emotions. And then as they grow older, they have this knowledge that they can use, but they can also pass it down from generation to generation. So you're creating these generation of human beings that are able to use these emotional skills and be able to benefit their mental health and cope with life challenges. And I think that's also why I'm such a huge advocate for social emotional learning in schools, because not every child is being taught how to do this at home. Not all parents are equipped with those skills. So it's really important that schools like develop these social emotional programs or put it into the curriculum. And I think they need, they shouldn't see it as something that's extra, but they should really see it as this is the foundation that's gonna be allow, allow these kids to do the real learning and the academic learning. Cause I think a lot of people really tend to overlook children's mental health because they think that children are just happy and they're carefree and that they are too young to realize what's going on in their home or in the world. They're very but, observant and intuitive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And this is the time that their brains are developing. So everything that they're seeing, their brains are processing, their brains are taking in, and that's going to affect them when they get older, because that's going to affect how they see the world and how they, how they cope with life challenges and the decisions you make. Because like, even right now in therapy, you're seeing a lot of adults coming to therapy to deal with what happened in their childhood, to deal with, to heal from their childhood. So I think this is prevention work, working with children, being able to start now to better equip them with the tools that they need yeah. in this world. Yeah. Um, so I guess like putting it into practice, maybe you can maybe talk to us a little bit about what you've done and what you've seen, like how you've seen improvements in children you've worked with. Um, and then you also talked about, I would like to hear more about the barriers that you were talking about too and how you work through those barriers. Yeah, so like specifically last year when I was interning at, I was interning at a middle school and a high school and you saw a lot, well, I saw a lot of barriers that were getting in the way of them even coming to school, like actually showing up. And it's because they lived in a, in a community where there was a lot of violence. Um, there was a lot of homelessness, a lot of poverty in the environment. And then a lot of the students' um, parents were also undocumented and whatnot. So the students came to school every day, like carrying all this like stress, all this trauma because of everything that was going on in their community and in their homes and in the world. And that was really what was keeping them from being able to do good in school. How are you going to sit through six hours of school when you have all this in the back of your mind, you know? So that's when I really realized like, yeah, there needs to 
to be more social emotional learning there needs to be more trauma-informed care just like realizing that you know they always label the bad kids as like oh they're just troublemakers and blah 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 blah. but in reality like these kids are going through stuff they've seen stuff and they need help to better be able to regulate what it is that's going on so those were kind of like some of the barriers that I would see especially working in that element in the middle school and high school and and it was an area really close to USC as well Mm -hmm. and it was just so like it was so like crazy to see but at the same time empowering because it just made me feel like okay we need to do more like I know a lot has been done already but there needs to be more needs to be put in place in order to help these kids yeah so then with those barriers in place what have you seen um what have you seen to be effective in addressing those barriers? And then on top of that, does that work in tandem with the school system? Like, do they integrate, should they integrate practices within the school system or should it be separate? How, how, what have you seen? Has uh, I definitely work? think it needs to be integrated into the school system. And there is stuff in place, obviously, because I mean, I was there interning as an intern, but there needs, there definitely needs to be a lot more because like at the school that I was interning at, there was only two social workers and they were in charge of like 1,200 students, which is like too much for them to all take on. And it's just not, not enough like there's just too much for them to handle themselves so I definitely think that there needs to be like either more programs more social emotional learning just more stuff so that these kids can develop the skills that they need because at the end of the day a lot of these kids really just need a space that they can go to to just let it all out to be able to talk about it to be able to taught how to maybe like communicate better or how to develop better relationships in their lives so that they have people that they can go to to talk to about these kind of things Mm -hmm. and I think they do they really do need a better space to be able to build that community because like I said it's just something that's not talked about they just Mm -hmm. like they'll go to school and they'll talk about everything else but that's those are stuff that are just not talked about Mm -hmm. so yeah I definitely there is stuff in place but I definitely think there needs to be just more more help and more initiatives and like all of that yeah and also with that comes like resources and funding are a big part of it as well Um, obviously that's something that we can talk about too is kind of how uh like what has to also change in terms of funding also related to the government and things like that? Do, what like would you like to see um, in the future? I definitely think that they need, I don't know how budgets work or anything like that, but I definitely think that they need to put more emphasis on school mental health just because these ki- kids spend majority of their life in school. They go to school kindergarten to 12th grade they're there for six hours a day like majority of their life is spent in school so what better place to be able to teach them all these mental health skills and uh, social emotional skills and what better place to give them the space to be able to go talk to someone and stuff like that so I definitely think that whoever the policymakers, they definitely need to put more funding into schools for that specific reason, because I think sometimes it gets overlooked because they're like, that's not the mission of a school. The mission of a school is you come here to learn um, and you get your diploma and that's it. But we're not, we're not supposed to deal with that other stuff. But what they don't know is that that stuff is getting in the way of these kids getting their diploma. Exactly. And it's, 
also kind of hard for someone probably to understand exactly what's happening in these schools because they're not on the ground actually seeing what these kids are going through. They're looked at as a number, obviously. And like when they look at numbers, they're looking at how many kids can they get to go to school? But like, what are they doing while they're in school too? It's how are they processing information? How are they in interacting with their peers and also their like um, their teachers and things? So yeah, I definitely think like it's, it's something that needs to be brought more awareness to. And obviously I think that has to come with um, people who are in positions like you are to be expressing, yeah. obviously talking with the people who are providing the funding. Yeah, I definitely like believe like in order to be like a well-rounded mental health practitioner, you really need to be able to learn how to shift from like that clinical role to be like a policy and planning role because yeah you're not actively involved in that, I feel like we're just profiting from the problem because these kids are just being sent to us for therapy. And I feel like our goal as mental health practitioners should never really be to just have our clients adapt and cope with the status quo of our society because it's unfair. Society is very unfair and sometimes it affects specific populations more than others. So we really need to be advocating to challenging these oppressive symptoms that are the root of the distress and suffering of mm -hmm. the people that we work with. I completely agree. And one of the things that you had mentioned um, was that one of the barriers that you've seen significant affect the school you were working with was that um, some of the parents too were undocumented of these children. And I know that we, in our previous conversation, wanted to talk about the impact mental health has on children of immigrants um, and also specifically within the Latinx community. Yeah, and I think what I was saying is stigma. Stigma is so huge. And especially if you're coming from like an undocumented family, you're not going to want to talk because you're scared that what you're saying is going to get out or you're going to get in trouble. Um, what happens in the house stays in the house. And that's actually what one of last year, one of the students actually told me that he's like, no, my mom always said what happens here stays here. And I can't like talk about it, you know? And so that really like these kids are kind of being raised to suppress everything. And it's not their fault. You know, it's like, it goes back to the systems and what society is telling them to do and how society is scaring them into thinking this way, you know, and it's happening from generation to generation to generation where we're having these kids that are suppressing everything that they're feeling because that's what they're being taught to do because of the stigma, you know, nobody really thinks of mental health as actually healthcare, even though it is the yeah. brain is an organ in your body. Mm -hmm. So they're just being told to be quiet and not talk about it. And that's what seemed as normal when in reality, like everyone needs someone to talk to. Everyone needs that time to be able to just let it all out to vent, to be able to cope with whatever struggles that they're going through. And people kind of see it as like, no, like you're, you're weak if you have to do that, you know, but in reality, we're all human beings and we all need that. Yeah. And I think it's also one thing, um, too, is it's hard to also communicate to someone who's grown up thinking about that their whole entire life, especially when there's other things in their life that are impacting them more significantly, which they think are impacting them more significantly. If it's a, whether it's financial insecurity, obviously, maybe the stress of um, being undocumented or things related to um maybe safety as well. So there's just all these different factors that come into place to where 
uh, kids are kind of prioritizing what they think is most important. And obviously there are things that are um, seem more immediate. And so I guess like how, how would you convey to someone who is kind of, who sees other things, I guess, as important, very more important, how would you convey to them that mental health is still, um, I guess, the basis for those things too? Honestly, I think just being there, just showing up, even if you spend the whole time just silent or not even talking about anything, just showing up every single time, no matter what, and just letting them know, like, I'm here when you're ready, whenever you want to talk about whatever it is, we can talk about anything you want. This is at your, this is your time. This is your space, because I'm not going to expect someone to just come in and start pouring their heart out, especially when they grew up knowing that I can't, I'm not supposed to express my emotions. I'm not supposed to talk about this. So it's like, and I recognize how hard that is, how hard it is to be able to talk about your emotions when you grew up in that environment where it wasn't allowed. So just with the clients I've worked with, it's really just giving them that space, just knowing like, okay, this is what we're here for. I'm meeting you where you're at, wherever you're ready. And just showing up every single time until finally something happens. Yeah. And also another probably barrier for you to overcome too, is maybe the stigma that comes with being a social worker as well. How, yeah. how has that like affected the care you're able to give? And then also how have you broken that barrier to, to humanize social workers? Because obviously we talked about this too, how social workers are kind of associated with certain things um, related to the government, like obviously DCS, D, DC, FS. Okay. Yes. Um, so how, how do you work through that barrier for yourself? Yeah, that was a huge one because yeah, like obviously everyone's like, oh, social worker, you're here to take away my kids kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people haven't, or a lot of people aren't really aware that social workers are so much more than that. They can be mental health professionals too and work in other settings as well. And it's social work is really just a helping professional. And so like, it's, it takes a lot of like educating people, just telling them like, this is my role. I'm not here to take away your kids, that kind of stuff. And then also just being like, you know, like I'm, I'm a therapist, I'm a mental health professional. This is what I'm here for and letting them know that. So really just psychoeducating them on like, this is our role. I understand like what you've seen or what you've heard, or maybe how you've been impacted in the past by these different systems, you know, acknowledging that and just like, keep really just keep reiterating and having that conversation about like, this is what I'm here for kind of thing. Yeah. And I guess like with the process of communicating to them um, this feeling of trust and yeah, building this feeling of trust with them. Um, How also does that kind of expand outside of like your sessions too? So like with, do you also work with teachers that are on these campuses to help them build trust with their students? How does that work? Um, So that you can be also like in tandem with what the school is doing. Yeah, it's also really letting, I know when I worked in the school, it's also really letting the teachers know your role and letting the all the school staff know your role because they come at you. I know sometimes I would get them coming at me saying like, this kid is misbehaving, this kid is so bad and kind of talking bad about the kid and telling me all this stuff. So just letting them know like, okay, this is what I'm here for. And really just letting them know too, like, okay, that that's not how we're talking. Yeah. Um, this is what's really going on. And I think 
in addition, schools need that too. They need trainings for teachers and school staff to really educate them on this is the role that the social worker is going to play in the school, but also like this is how you see your kids in a more trauma informed lens, knowing that, you know, they've been through a lot of stuff like this behavior is because they've gone through so much and stuff like that. So I think with working with like teachers and other professionals, it's just really the same thing. You have to really just psychoeducate them on this is what I'm here to do and this is how you can help and just providing them with the same resources and stuff so they know too because they obviously play a huge role in the kid's life as well. Yeah and um, have teachers that you've worked with has it been have they received what you've been what you've told them are they receptive to it Um, does it take time to build that trust with the teacher as well? Yeah I think it does take time to build the trust with the teacher but I think for the most part a lot of teachers have known like they've especially if they've been working at the school for a while, they kind of learn the role of the social worker. And so they kind of know. And so like at the school that I was placed at, it was kind of maybe like 50, 50 with the teachers. Some of them were just like, no, but the others were kind of on board with it too. So I guess it just depends who you come across and whatnot. But yeah, just like with working with clients, you have to build that relationship with them as well because communicating with them is so important because you need to be able to fill the whole picture and the teachers play a huge role as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I kind of now wanna move on to talking a little bit more about you and your direction of where you wanna go, just so maybe our audience can get a sense of what it means, like, what does someone do after they get their master's in social work? Um, Obviously, you did say in while you are working there, you have to do um, two years of clinical work as well. So maybe talking about that and then um, where you want to go after the program. Yeah, so for the MSW program, you do need to do two years of internship. So um, there's, there's a two-year program, but there's also the three-year program, but either way you need to do two years of internship at two different locations. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing too, that USC offers us is that I'm getting a credential in, to be able to work in the school setting in California as either a school social worker, school counselor, or school psychologist, you need to get a credential. So USC MSW program offers that credential. So when I was interning at the school last year, that's what I was doing. I was working on my hours for that credential. And then this year I'm doing community mental health. So I'm working under the Department of Mental Health, delivering um, mental health services to children, youth and families. So basically just doing therapy mm-hmm. with kids and their caregivers. And so after graduation, um, so Usually, if you're an MSW, you want to get licensed. Some people don't, but I do want to get licensed. So in order to become licensed, you need to apply with the Board of Behavioral Sciences, and you need to get like a number. And so they give you an associate number, and then you're considered an associate clinical social worker, and then you can go off and work um, wherever you want. Um, But you you have to be doing clinical work in order to acquire your hours for licensure. And so it's 3000 hours after graduation that you need to get in order to um, be able to qualify to take the licensure exam. So once you take the licensure exam, um, you're good, you get your license and then you're considered a licensed clinical social worker. So that would be like a licensed therapist. So that's basically what everyone aims for 
reaching those 3000 hours and along the way like until you get licensed you have to be supervised by someone who is licensed mm -hmm. so they supervise you so they supervise all your cases and whatnot all the like clients you're meeting with and they also they have to meet with you once a week so you can kind of do like um, consult with them on your cases like oh what can I be doing am I doing okay should I try something else that kind of stuff and then yeah so what I want to do after graduation is I want to do community mental health so what I'm doing now in my internship I really really enjoy that and I want to continue to do that after um, I graduate and my plan is I don't know if it'll go as planned because something always happens or I find something new that I really like but um my plan is to do that until I get licensed. So do that for my whole 3000 hours. And then eventually I want to end up in the school setting just because of everything I've said. Yeah. I want to end up working in the school setting because like I said, that's I feel like that's where we're going to make the biggest impact in children's lives. Mm -hmm. And um, I do eventually want to do more macro work in working for like a school district, implementing better like programs to bring more mental health services and that stuff. So that's kind of like the route I want to go towards We're doing like the clinical micro work in the beginning and then eventually moving up to the more macro work just because I feel like working with those students or those clients one on one is really going to prepare me to do the more heavier work. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I think that's very um, great to hear that you like kind of know exactly what you want to do. Obviously, what you said, like things happen and you might find a new interest along the way. So if you had to ideally say in 10 years, obviously, you probably have gotten this question. What would be your position you would like to see yourself in? So in 10 years, I hope to have my doctorate. I was I kind of want to get my doctorate in educational psychology mm -hmm. and then I hope to be working at a school district having maybe like a higher position I don't know the exact position name but definitely working for a school district and then maybe having like a private practice on the side that's cool that's awesome yeah. is there a specific also maybe state or school district that you would like to work in specifically that you've seen are problem areas that you would love to be a part of to see change? Well, I'm going to say LUSD just because okay. that's the school that I interned for and just because it's the second largest school district in the United States. And I really feel like other districts follow what they do, what LUSD does. So I would love to work for LUSD and just help in any way I can because I know they're huge obviously so they need they need all the help they can get and you know Los Angeles has a lot of communities underserved communities that really need need the help and these kids really need the help yeah well that's awesome to hear especially like knowing that um, it's in a community that I'm a part of and I've seen as well, um, especially just with the speakers who have talked about how mental health impacts this area, especially with all these different barriers that we talked about. Um, it's very important. Um, and I do think it's also, there's a lot of um, things that are in place, obviously structural barriers, um, organizational barriers or things like that, that need to be addressed. And I think it's great that you're passionate about the area you're in right now so obviously I do believe you will be doing great things in the future and I'm so happy that we got to talk to you today um, one thing that we do ask our guests before we leave is um, and before we sign off is if you have any resources and if there's any last note that you want to leave us with 
resources. Okay, this is the one I give everyone just because I think it's like we talked about, it's really hard sometimes to reach out for help and make that first step. Mm -hmm. And I actually volunteer for them crisis text line. Okay. So if you literally text anything, usually I tell people to text home to 741741, it'll connect you with a crisis counselor that you literally just text and it's completely anonymous. So no one will ever know if you ever want to like reach out for help. Mm -hmm. And it's, you don't have to be in crisis to text them, even though it's called crisis text line, you could literally just be having a bad day, a bad mental health day, anything, reach out to them for help. And they also have so many resources. So if you leave that conversation wanting more, they can like plug you to a bunch of free resources that you can use to be able to like further like enhance your mental health or further like do something else, join a support group, go get therapy, that kind of stuff. So I think Crisis Text Line is amazing with that just because you don't have to be afraid. Like the stigma, you don't have to, it's not like you're walking into a therapy office or anything like that. It's just literally from your phone and it's free and everything like that. And then just any last words. Um, well, thank you for having me. I, I, like I said earlier, I really think that this, this podcast is really great. And I'm so glad that you guys are doing this because it's really important. Mental health is really important. And just raising awareness about it is amazing, especially within the USC community. So I'm really happy um, to be here. And I love social work. So thank you so much for having me. Of course. Um, well, I hope you have a great rest of your long weekend and um, obviously hope to stay in touch and we'll let you know when your podcast episode airs. Yes, thank you. Right, well, have a good rest of your day. You too. Bye. Bye. Well, thank you everyone for listening to this week's episode. Um, it was great to hear the perspective from a social worker, specifically a social worker that's interested in the mental health of children. Um, I think it's pretty relevant to what we're talking about here because a lot of times um, mental health problems can develop from childhood trauma or childhood experiences. So obviously she's doing some really important work that can help shape generations to come. As she said, building these skills and passing them on um, can really go a long way. So I hope you guys were able to get a lot out of this episode. Obviously, she did give that last resource, the crisis hotline, the 741-741 number. Um, we will have that on our website as well. But um, yeah, going forward, obviously, we're going to have an episode next week. And um, I look forward to talking with you guys again. Um, right on. Wednesday.